If you would look at uh, Psalm 119 and verse 137 with me, we'll start with verse 137. The scripture here says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal hath consumed me, because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. That is full of a lot of good stuff. And we're going to look at that today. So let's pray together and uh, we'll ask the Lord for His help. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your grace. And uh, Lord, thank You for the opportunity to meet here together, to hear from You, to hear Your Word. And uh, Lord, the things that You declare for us in this passage about who You are and about Your Word um, are amazing. And I pray, God, that You'd open our understanding. We ask for Your help this morning. God, I ask for Your help to communicate uh, the scripture and, and to just uh, be very clear with it. And Lord, uh, we just humbly ask you for your help this morning. And I pray that if there's one here that um, they don't have that everlasting righteousness, I pray, God, that they would see uh, that you have provided that for them. And I pray that they would trust you by faith as their Savior today. And uh, Lord, I do pray for our pastor and, and his family as they're traveling that you continue to uh, give them safety. And just thank you so much for the, the great week that they've had already. And I, I pray that this would continue to be a time of great rest and, and just refreshing. I pray that you'd give him vision and wisdom and direction for this ministry um, for the fall and, and just help us, God, to do uh, great things for you here through your help. And we'll ask this in your name, and we ask, God, that you'd be glorified in all of it. In Christ's name, amen. This morning, we're going to examine something very specific in this passage about the character of God. Now, I hope you'll come back tonight. Tonight, we're going to meet for our evening service at 530, because tonight, we're going to look at the content of Scripture and the conflict of David in this. But I didn't think you guys would want to be here for three hours, so you come back tonight. I'll give you a break here. We'll split it up. But um, we're going to look at something very specific about the, about the character of God, and that is, number one, you see the righteous character of God. We're going to look today at the righteous character of God. Look at verse 137. The, the, David here, the psalmist, he just, he just declares, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. You know, the righteous character of God in the Scriptures, it is unequivocally declared. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Scripture declares for us that God is righteous. God is righteous. Let's look at this. Look at with me, if you would, at Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And if you happen to not have a Bible with you this morning, you should be able to find one provided there in the pew in front of you. We're going to be looking through uh, many different passages, so I hope that you'll get that. And if you need to, uh, like me, I started out, there, there was a day I needed to memorize the table of contents. And so you may not know where all these books are, um, but uh, you come here long enough and you'll, you'll know where they're all at. Amen? Amen. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 32. And if you will look me at, with me at verse number 1, the Bible says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Verse 2. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. 
He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. You see how the Scripture declares that our God is right. He is a righteous God. It's who He is. It's His character. And the Bible says when you think about God, ascribe greatness to God because He's a rock. All of His work, it's all perfect. He's just and He's right. He's without iniquity. There is no sin in God. The Bible says that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. You know, man is trying to do things and in, 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 in I think about, uh, we were talking with Ed Berman this week about the differences between the new pilot and the, and the one that was a year old. And, and you think about how engineers are trying to perfect engines and they're trying to perfect cars. And apparently, uh, which one is it? Is it Lexus or Infinity? The, the, you know, the definite, I'm trying to think of their slogan, but it's like they're ahead of perfection or something. Lexus or one of them. Any you guys know? Somebody help me out. <laughs> but one of them, it's uh, the pursuit of perfection. Oh, that's what it is. The pursuit of perfection. Is that Lexus? That's their slogan. You see, they're pursuing perfection. God says, I am perfect. I am righteous. I am holy. I am completely without sin. And God has a work that he's doing. And God says, my work, it's perfect. God's not pursuing perfection in his work it's just perfect that's what the scripture declares and so uh, look at verse uh, if you looked at verse 5 you see the contrast between God and then his people verse 5 he says they have corrupted themselves their spot is not the spot of his children they are a perverse and crooked generation do you thus requit the Lord of foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee, uh, that hath bought thee, that uh, hath he not made thee and established thee? And he goes on, and this is a, actually a song of Moses. It's very interesting that it's a song. Um, you see some of the things that are described in there today, and it might not be the most joyous, you know, song to sing after crown him with many crowns. You know, crown him with many crowns, and then God destroyed his people. You know, you see some of the things in that chapter, but the Bible says that it's a song of Moses, and God gave him that song. But the scripture here des describes that God is a rock. And then five other times in the passage, it's saying, but they turned from the rock. They went away. And, and, and we know the children of Israel, how they turned their back on God. And, and God reproved them and judged them to bring them back to himself. That's, that's what goes on through the rest of that chapter. But the righteous character of God is declared in the scriptures. Spurgeon said this, about our knowledge of knowing that God is righteous. He said, this is a great stay to the soul in time of trouble. When we are the most sorely afflicted and cannot see the reason for the dispensation, we may fall back upon this most sure and certain fact that God is righteous and His dealings with us are righteous too. It should be our glory to sing this brave confession when all things around us appear to suggest the contrary. You know, the Bible in Hebrews says that we have this as an anchor of the soul, that God is immutable and that He cannot lie. The fact that, that that's who God's character is, that's an anchor for our soul in time of trouble. Are you in trouble this morning? Is your soul afflicted? Well, you can take hope in knowing that God is a righteous God. And the work that He's doing in your life, he, he's, he's perfect. And he's, he's working that out in your life. Um, William Cowper, the uh, hymn writer, he said this. 
This is the first ground of comfort, a meditation of the righteousness of God's nature. He alters not with the times. He changes not with persons. He is always and unto all one and the same righteous and holy God. Righteousness is essential to to Him. It is Himself. And He can no more defraud the godly of their promised comforts, not let the wicked go unpunished in their sins, than He can deny Himself to be God, which is impossible." You see, God is righteous. That's who He is. So God's righteousness, the righteous character of God, it's unequivocally declared, but it's also the guarantee that He's going to perform His word. Because God is righteous, everything He says He's going to do, He's going to do. Uh, Look with me, if you would, at Nehemiah chapter 9. Right between Ezra and Esther. Nehemiah chapter 9. Because God is righteous, He will perform His word. As you're turning there, have you ever had somebody tell you they were going to do something and they didn't come through? You know, in ministry, um, there are one of the more, oh, frustrating times is, you know, if I tell somebody, yeah, I'll get that CD for you, I'll get this or that for you, and then it's like, then you don't come through on it. Oh, man, I should have gotten... And so I started writing things down. That always helps, you know. Helps to write stuff down. Short pencil is better than a long memory, right? So where's uh, where's my college guys? Anthony, Frankie, all right? Short pencil, better than long memory. So make sure you got a pencil with you in class, trying to help these guys as they go off to the Ville. All right, Nehemiah chapter 9, and look at verse number 5. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Benai, Hashniah, Sherebiah, Hadijah, Shebaniah, and Pethiah. All right, so if anybody's expecting, there's some really cool words you could pull from. <laughs> like, oh, down in the nursery, we had Shebaniah today. That's awesome. <laughs> we just heard a snort down here. That was great. These guys said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all. And the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou art Lord, the God who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham and foundest his heart faithful before thee and madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it, I say, to his seed and hast performed thy words for thou art what? Righteous. You see, the righteous character of God is a surety for us. It's a guarantee that that God will perform what He has said. So what has God promised you? What has God said? I, If you do this, I will do this. As you've been faithful to Him, have you seen God perform His Word? As you've prayed and, and sought the Lord, have you seen God perform His Word? Do you need to seek the Lord more to see God perform His Word? God says that He will perform. He has performed His words, for thou art righteous. Uh, Skip down to verse number 32 with me, if you would. In the same passage, Nehemiah 9, look at verse 32. They say, Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keepeth covenant 
and mercy. Let not all the trouble seem little before thee that hath come upon us, on our kings, on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. This trouble that he's talking about, Nehemiah is going back and they're rebuilding the walls and he's saying, God, all of this trouble came upon us. He knows because they sinned. All through chapter 1, Nehemiah is confessing his own sin and the sin of his people. And God says, or Nehemiah says, God, you brought all this on us. The Assyrians have taken us away. They've laid waste this city. But look at what he says about verse 33. Does he say, oh God, I can't believe you let this happen to us. Does he say, God, that wasn't right. Uh, we're a people that you chose and you brought us out. God, what are you doing? Is that his attitude? No, verse 33 says, Howbeit thou art just in all that is brought upon us. For thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. See, Nehemiah, he knew that God was righteous. And God had told them, If you depart from me, I will, bring, I will scatter you among the nations. And God did that. But as you read in Nehemiah, there's also another promise that God had made. And God had said, though I scatter you unto the uttermost part of heaven, if you turn back to me, he had promised them he would bring them back to himself and he would bring them back into that land. And ultimately, we know that there is coming a day in which he will gather those Jews out of every nation and bring them and set up his kingdom there in Jerusalem and reign and rule a thousand years. He's going to perform that. Because He has said that He would do it. And He is righteous. He'll be sure that that happens. So our God is a righteous God. And and His righteousness is a guarantee that that He will perform His Word. Look with me, if you would, at Isaiah 46. This is interesting about God performing His Word and, and His righteousness. Isaiah 46. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9. The Scripture here says, Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness, I bring near my righteousness, it shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. It's interesting that in that passage you see God's righteousness and God performing His word again in that same passage, that that connection there. So this is the guarantee that God will perform His word. Um, Look at the next scripture here with me at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. We saw there in Isaiah that God's righteousness is uh, in the same passage there connected with Him accomplishing His purpose. He will do that because He is righteous. Then Second Chronicles chapter 12. What we're going to see here is we, we've seen that God's righteous, the righteous character of God, it's declared. It's the guarantee that He will perform His word. But we're going to see now that the, the righteous character of God is recognized by the humble. The righteous character of God is recognized by the humble. Second Chronicles chapter 12 
the scripture here in verse number 1 says this, And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom. Now Rehoboam is uh, Solomon's son. Right? So you got David, then King Solomon, then King Rehoboam. When he established his kingdom, uh, he had strengthened himself. He forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. With 1,200 chariots and threescore thousand horsemen, and the people were without number that came with him out of Egypt, the Lubims, the Sukims, and the Ethiopians. And he, forced, and he took the fenced cities which pertained to Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam, and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. Verse 7, And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. God said, You know what? There's something specific that somebody can do when they humble themselves. And that is they can acknowledge that I'm right. They can acknowledge that I am righteous. And God said, you, you forsake me? Well, I'll deliver you into their hand. And they humbled themselves and they said, the Lord is righteous. Which meant they weren't righteous. Because they had gone against God's word. And if they were to say, well, God is right, that was an admission that they were wrong. So the righteous character of God, it is recognized by those that are humble. Look with me, if you would, at Job chapter 40. Job chapter 40. Men who do not recognize the righteousness of God, they're just proud. When men do not recognize the righteousness of God, they're proud. Now, Job had some unbelievably difficult things going on in his life. Job's the kind of guy that, you know, when you know that things are going bad for you, and they're legitimately going bad, you can look at a guy like Job and actually say, well, it ain't that bad. Job lost every one of his sons. He lost his crops. He lost his, his house. He, his wife is just telling him to curse God and die. I've never lost that much. I've never come close to losing anything like that. And Job, throughout the book, he, he's just trying to figure out what is going on in his life. Because at that point in the Old Testament, uh, everything going right for you, it was a sign of God's blessing. And for him to have all this stuff, it, it just meant that God had, uh, had been graceful and merciful to him and, and, and had blessed him in a great way. And so all of his friends around him are looking at everything that he's lost. And, and they say, well, Job, there's got to be some sin in your life, man. There's got to be something. Come on, just start confessing things. And Job's saying, guys, I don't, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't understand. And in Job chapter, I know you're there in, in, in 40, but look at chapter 38 quickly. The, the scripture here says, Then the Lord answered Job. Uh, uh, yeah, look at chapter 37 and verse 20. Shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speak, surely he shall be swallowed up. And now men see not the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. Uh, he respecteth not any that are wise of heart. That sounds like a pretty 
good thing to you know about the Lord. But look, God interrupts this whole conversation with these guys, Job and his friends, trying to figure out what God's doing. And he says this, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare thou it if thou hast understanding. Whereupon are the... Or who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon the foundations are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? So that happens for two more chapters. Look at chapter 40. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. You teenagers? Are you kids? You ever had your parents, man, and they are just laying it out for you. And by that point, you're going, you'll just, you're just saying yes so they stop. And you're going, yes, everything that you have said, everything you're about to say, just I will sign a piece of paper and I completely agree with you. You're just trying to get out of the, the line upon line, precept upon precept they're about to give you, right? And Job's saying, okay, I'm vile. I'll, I'll stop. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no good. And God just keeps going. Look at what he says. Verse 6, Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man, I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? You see that? For someone to think that what, what they think, that what they want is right, when it's not what God says is right, He says, you're going to condemn me? And you stand righteous? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I did this? Can you do this? Look at what else he says. Can you, he asked Job if he can do This is awesome. Hast thou an arm like God? Or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? I can't thunder, much less thunder with a voice like God. <laughs> Verse 10. Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency and array thyself with glory and beauty. All right, now, some of, the, the, some of you girls this morning, man, you spent... A little bit of time in front of the mirror this morning. You're trying to you know, deck that with majesty, with beauty, and, and most of you did a good job, but <laughs> that's awful, isn't it? God says, can you imagine, God is talking about His majesty, His excellency. He says, deck yourself with that and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold, everyone that is proud and abase him. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low, and tread down the wicked in their place. God says, Job, can you do that? Can you take anybody that's proud and bring them low? Can you take anybody that's high and lofty and abase them? Guys, we went uh, Tuesday. We did all you can eat wings. A couple of guys, you know, their stomachs are a little bit bigger this morning. We had a blast. On one of the televisions, though, man, they have one of these like UFC fighting things. These guys are just knocking each other's teeth out. And I'm looking at these guys, and they're just gigantor. And I kid you not, I'm sitting there thinking, man, if I got in a ring with that guy, I'd give him the what for, I, you know. No, you look at that, and I mean, there's, there's some people I might be able to abase, you know, like some of the seven-year-olds in here. I might be able to abase some of them. But you look at these guys. There wasn't a guy at our table. I and mean, we had some big guys. 
But there wasn't a guy at our table that was taking out one of those UFC guys, mainly because they'd get their ear bit off or something, right? Those guys would cheat. I'm looking at that saying, can you imagine, and, and you've seen those guys before, how proud they are. You know, they're like, whoa, man, they walk around, they're all tough, and, you know, they'll take the microphone and eat it and, and, during an interview just to show how tough they are. You know, there, we have some huge guys in here that could abase a lot of people, but there's not a guy in here that you could look at everybody in the world and anybody that was proud. You can't do that to every one of them. But God can. God can take anybody that is proud and instantaneously humble them. He could take the king of one of the greatest kingdoms ever, Nebuchadnezzar, and in an instant... That guy's out eating grass, letting his fingernails grow out like an eagle, and he's going, he's acting mad. Why? Because God can abase anyone. And he says, Job, Job, you've got all these questions. You don't have it all figured out. Just know that I am righteous. And the work that I'm doing, Job, I'll see it through to the end. And so what about in your life? Man, you don't understand. And here's what's so cool. We spent all last year, the theme was, come boldly under the throne of grace. You know, I don't want you to get the idea that God doesn't want you to come and say, God, I don't know, I don't understand. No, run to God. That's the best place to go and say, God, I don't know. I don't understand. And some of you, you've, you've lost children. You've lost loved ones. And it hurts. And you just say, God, I don't know. It, and, and that happened maybe years ago, and you still don't know why. And you'll never know till you see the Lord. The, the righteous work that God was doing. And you just got to trust Him. And say, Lord, Thou art righteous. I'm not. I'm not righteous, but You are God. So whatever God, whatever plan You're working, Lord, just continue to work it. We know it's for His glory. So the righteousness of God is recognized by the, the humble. But let's look at what else our text says. Um, in Psalm uh, 119, our text says something very specific about the righteousness of God. Psalm 119, we're seeing here that God's righteousness, it's declared, it's, it, it, it guarantees that He will perform His word, He will perform what He has said. It's recognized by the humble. But we also see something very specific about the righteousness of God. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 142. Psalm 142. Or 119 verse 142. Thy righteousness. Okay, so he's about to tell us something very specific about it. Is an everlasting righteousness. And thy law is the truth. God's always been righteous. He will always be righteous. Nothing can ever change that. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. 1 John 1, 5, I mentioned it earlier, it says that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. God's righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. He's never not had it, and He will never not have it. His righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. You know, that righteousness is available to you and me. 
the righteousness, the everlasting righteousness of God is available to you and me. Look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and we'll look in verse number 9. Verse verse 9 says, What then? Are we better than they? Have you ever tried to compare yourself to somebody else? And you were able to like, you were kind of feeling bad that day about yourself, and so you found somebody else that was a complete loser, and then you started feeling better about yourself. (laughs) You know, we do that. We're like, man, well, I really shouldn't have done that, but hey, I didn't do this, you know. Um, I kid you not. I was in uh, uh, in college. We I went to um, Knox County Jail a couple of times for the ministry for chapel ministry. I got to set this up right. I'm down in Knox County Jail. Um, went to jail for uh, the chapel ministry that they had, and it's amazing. People in jail would be like, "Well, yeah, I killed this guy, but hey, he killed three people," you know, and they don't think they're that bad. It's just it's amazing, you know, criminals. They're they're in jail and they're comparing themselves to each other. Well, at least I, you know, in that block down there, I'm not in solitary. You know, like those people, they're really bad. <laughs> he says, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Excuse me, who wrote that? God. And if God's right, and that's his word, then he's right. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With the tongues they have, their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are sh- uh, swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery, misery are in their ways. In the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And someone might think this morning, well, those people are bad. Well, yeah, but look at verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. You know, that that's me. That's you. That's all of the world. When we stand before a righteous perfectly, everlastingly holy God, not one of us is perfect, righteous, and holy like God. We've all sinned. We've all gone out of the way. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned out of the way. Verse 21, verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You know what that, that means? The best moral life that you can live on this earth will not get you to heaven. I mean, you live the best moral life that you can. That doesn't make you a Christian. Because by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Well, that doesn't make us feel very good, does it? But it should lead us to a great truth. Check out the next verse. Verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, that's a satisfactory payment through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. By the law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. It says, all the, world, all the world has become guilty before God. But God has manifested His righteousness, His everlasting righteousness, and has said, yes, Jesus Christ, He's without sin, there's no sin in Him. And He went to that cross, and He died on that cross and shed His blood, and three days later, rose again from the dead. The Bible says, for our justification. And you see, we look at, God looks at our righteousnesses. The Bible says in Isaiah that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I've got, I've got nothing before God to claim as righteous. But God says, I've got a righteousness that I would like to give you. You can have it. Well, how much does it cost? What do I have to do? No, no, no. just believe me. Just believe me. The work is done. Christ has paid the penalty. He's risen from the dead. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God's saying, stop talking to me about your righteousness. Do you have my righteousness? I don't want to hear about all the stuff you've done. I'm offering you my righteousness. Look with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love the way that that passage in Romans finishes. It says, where is boasting then? Well, if I can't be good enough to get to heaven, well, I can't go tell everybody that I'm good enough to get to heaven. Okay, welcome to the club. Yeah, God says, there will be nobody that stands before me exalted in their own righteousness. Why? Because I'm able to abase the proud. And if you're going to come to God and take His righteousness, you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to admit that you're a sinner. You're going to have to admit that you need God's righteousness. But look at what He wants to do freely. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And you guys have seen it. We talked about... In our, in our soul winning demonstration and how if you take this and this was all my sin it's just sin after sin after sin and, and you covered me up and so God looks at me and I'm all covered up in sin God says He hath made Him let's say this is Christ God has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him so when Christ died on the cross He took my righteousness all those filthy rags He took it and God has given me His everlasting righteousness. Do you have God's righteousness this morning? He is righteous. He's been that way from everlasting. He'll be that way till everlasting. He offers you a righteousness that is not your own. It's His. Through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Do you have that righteousness? 
Here's the cool thing. A lot of you have that righteousness. And you know what's so cool? You have an everlasting righteousness. When are you going to cease to be righteous before God? Look with me at Jude. We looked at it in youth group this morning. Look at Jude. just a little book, one chapter long, right before Revelation. Jude, look at verse 20. Jude 20. So if you just find Revelation, just turn a page before that, you'll see it. Verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the father, uh, out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Oh man, verse 24 has got a lot in it. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. God, are you able... Um, that's like the understatement of the year to say that God's able to do something. God is able. You say, man, but I, I don't know. I got saved when I was, you know, years ago. But man, I just, I just really feel like I've turned my back on him. I don't know if I could still be saved. But God is able to keep you from falling, and He's able to present you faultless. Oh, man. I was telling these kids this morning, I got saved when I was nine years old. I was at camp. I grew up in church my whole life. heard about Christ and God in Sunday school. But the first year at camp, I was sitting in my seat at the end of a service, and I thought, man, I have no idea whether I'm going to heaven or not. I know where I don't want to go, but I can't. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. So I told my camp counselor, I said, can you, can you show me from the Bible? I, I want to know. And he showed me some of the same things I grew up hearing my whole life. That Christ is God, that He loves me, He died for me on the cross and shed His blood, was buried and rose again the third day. And I realized I had never asked Christ to save me by faith. My mom knew about it, you know, my grandpa knew about it, but, but me, I needed that in my life. Now, when I got saved when I was nine, I mean, I'm 32 now. Everybody looks shocked. Whoa, yeah. Once you guys in here, you're like, man, you're just a young pup. 32 years old, I've done more sin after I've gotten saved than I did before I got saved. So I'm really glad verse 24 is in our Bible. Because Christ is able to present us faultless. <laughs> I can't help but think, you know, these car shows. How many of you guys are into the cars? You like, you know, Detroit Auto Show or Chicago Auto Show? I don't even know what they're called. I just know that there are auto shows around, right? Man, when they unveil the new model, you know, imagine, imagine Isaiah, they're going to unveil the new Lamborghini and it's got a big scratch down the front of it. Would that go over very well? No. <laughs> they're not going to, they're going to introduce a new Lambo with a big scratch across the front, you know. Um, you know, Eric's, he's a vet guy. You know, imagine you get that new vet, you go buy a brand new model and somebody's kicked in, you know, a dent in the back. We would say that's not presented faultless. Jesus says, when you stand before the Father in that day, I'm able to present you faultless 
because you have a righteousness that's not your own. It's my righteousness. Because he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. And God, thank you so much that you're righteous.